Today on Hang With Champions, we'll be hanging out with a two-time Olympian from short track speed skating. At 16, she was one of the youngest athletes competing in the 2014 Sochi Olympic Winter Games, but even getting to the Olympics in her home country is an astonishing story into itself. From the shadows of Red Square in Moscow, Sofia Prosvirnova joins us today. So come on, hang with us on Hanging with Champions. Welcome back to Hanging with Champions, where every week we hang out with Olympic stars, past, present, and future. I'm Patrick Keenas from NBC Sports, the Olympic Channel, and from Westwood One. And a reminder, you can hang out with us too. Subscribe and get notified when the next Hang with Champions episode drops. So wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple or Google, Pandora, iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, and Stitcher, we're there. And you can also leave some comments on our social channels, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. As this week's show begins, if you really want to understand kind of the power of social media and just how much it shrinks our huge world, Hang With Champions started a couple of months ago, early in the pandemic, with interviews of U.S. Olympic stars like Caleb Dressel and Natalie Coughlin and Apollo Ono. And as they're posted on social media, a following started to listen in from fans to Olympians. And I continue to notice one particular Olympian who kept popping up from halfway around the world who was either listening to some clips or listening to some shows. So I reached out to her and uh, voila, here she is, uh, one of our biggest Olympic fans of Hanging with Champions, live from Russia, Sofia Prosvirnova. Hey, Sofia, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hello, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really cool. It's a great pleasure to have you on. So you mentioned to me the other day that you were getting nervous to come on the show. So how are the nerves holding up right about now? Oh, I, I think I passed that. It's all right. I was a little, I was a little nervous. This is my first podcast ever. So. First one ever. Uh, I, I'm yeah, I enjoyed, to hear listening. That. I enjoyed listening to the previous ones from uh, of Mommy and Apollo. So. so how did you come across the show? Oh, you just popped out somewhere. Maybe I was just following Apollo on Instagram and then I saw like he was doing podcasts and I was just curious and I just gave it a shot. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you on. Thank you for making up some time. And I know you have a ton of fans uh, in Russia, a ton of fans in Europe and a lot of fans here in the United States as well. We'll get to all those stories here as we move on here. But I guess first off, you know, how are you doing? We're, you know, eight months, nine months into this pandemic. The short track speed skating season has been delayed, and who knows if you will actually be racing on the international stage here after New Year's. How, how are you holding up? Oh, well, yeah, past eight months was uh, uh, unusual, I would say, but uh, I think it worked out, worked out for me pretty good. Like, I was uh, following the routine all the way uh, through the pandemic started, and uh, I never lost my shape, and I think I was pretty lucky in that uh, in that scenario. What, tell me, what's been the hardest part? Is it is it the lack of of competition? Is it the unknown? Is it missing all the camaraderie with your friends uh, as you bounce around the world? Well, what what do you miss the most about it? Well, uh, the hardest part started in the summer when um, when I joined the national team, Russian national team, and we had to be locked down in the hub, kind of, in the training facility. 
and we weren't allowed in. You're like coming in, you pass some tests, and then you're just full time there. You're not allowed to go anywhere else. You're not allowed to go out. And we've been there for about three months, like the whole summer. And it was pretty tough mentally, but that's what we needed to do uh, in order to stay healthy and uh, being able to skate. That's what I'm really grateful for, that we were, we were really be able to skate all the summer. Uh, unlike some other countries who, which were locked down. Um, yeah, and this this was mentally pretty hard for me, but uh, we it worked out pretty well. And I'm looking forward for a season. I really hope like we'll have uh, uh, something. We'll have a European Championship. Mm-hmm. I think ISU announced that we, I'm pretty sure we'll have that. So it. When when I read the news that we will have like the next morning, I woke up uh, like so much more motivated than before. I was really happy that we might have some, we might actually have something this season, and I was really happy with that. It's it, it's it has to be so hard and and grueling mentally. And you mentioned Mame Binding. I've talked with a lot of other uh, long track speed skaters over the last couple of months, and I mean there are some countries, as you know, that the the ice arenas aren't even open for use or if they are they just have recently been reopened and we, we spoke with uh, even blondine from canada a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm. they didn't have ice access for for mm-hmm. several months and you know with with my binding and team usa over here in the united states you know they're on the ice uh, they're taking all the mm-hmm. precautions but they don't exactly mm-hmm. know what they're training for and yeah that I, must know, be so hard so, so I know you're really well connected with, with with so many skaters in so many different countries. I mean, how often do you communicate with them, and how different are things from country to country as far as training and getting ready for a season that may or may not happen? Yeah, like it's it's really different from country to country. Like some countries has a lockdown, like no somebody not allowed on the ice. Somebody has to do crazy restrictions uh, in order to skate. Uh, and I keep in touch with the American team a little. I know they they are able to skate, which is great. Uh, I know Canadians are, had a lockdown not a long time ago, and they weren't they weren't able to skate for a little while. Uh, so yeah, it's really different, and I'm just I'm just grateful we are able to skate for now. But we really don't know like how it's gonna be in the future. Like numbers in Russia are pretty bad, and. Like we never know when we're gonna have lockdown or, or anything. Yeah. So. so explain to our fans, at least here in the United States, what 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 are the conditions right, uh, like right now in Russia as far as the pandemic, and because here in the United States we know how bad things are getting. They're they're at their worst right now as we approach Thanksgiving and Christmas, but it, it, the the pandemic, as as awful as it is, has been really politicized here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want to wear masks. They feel it's an oppression mm-hmm. of their of their freedoms and their civil liberties. Others are doing it, you know, 24 hours a day trying mm-hmm. to, you know, <laughs> protect themselves. So there's a lot of sometimes truthful information here in the States and misinformation mm-hmm. here in the States. What is it like in Russia? I mean, are, are, is the Russian population getting the information, the truthful information that it deserves as far as how bad things are? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I just know, like, it's pretty bad right now in Russia. We have, like, 22,000 cases per day, new cases. And 
I don't I don't know how pol- politicized it is, but but what I'm I see like on the streets, like people care less now than they cared in mm. spring, and also care less than they cared three weeks ago, which doesn't make which doesn't make sense because uh, numbers are growing. They should care more than than before. So uh, it's it's really hard to say. I think I wish people cared a little more than they care here but i just gonna i'm I just really hope that it's gonna get better soon right. so are, are masks mandated across the country or does it depend on region are restaurants open can you go dine into restaurants or is it carry out only how, how are things working on just a day-to-day well, basis for the citizens yeah they there were some restrictions made not a long time ago but i think it's just like bars are not open at night that you're still allowed to go to the restaurant and eat there is no like crazy restrictions and i know like the mask mandatory in the in the supermarkets and everything but like what i see like people really care less now like some people wouldn't wear masks in supermarket and three weeks ago like um it's like cashier wouldn't sell you anything if you don't have a a mask but now like they have like this like sometimes they will, sometimes they they wouldn't. So, so let, yeah. let's I guess let's get inside uh, inside of uh, your your Russian short track team. So I, I'm assuming that you all have maybe greater standards to to adhere to as far as masks and social distancing, because now you're talking about the opportunity to go to the European Championships if they're held in a month or two crossing, you know, borders of countries in Europe. Some countries are in better mm-hmm. shape than others. So mm-hmm. what, what, what are some of the policies that you and your teammates and your coaching staff have implemented to make sure that you're all safe and everybody else is mm-hmm. safe that then would allow these events to potentially take place in a few months? Well, yeah, they advise us not to like go outside except of training, like nothing, no socializing and we have to wear masks all the time if we are out. Uh, we, in order to enter the training camp, we do that COVID tests. Mm-hmm. We have to, to, to do negative COVID tests. And um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so we do try, do trying uh, <laughs> to stay healthy as much as we can. <laughs> so so is, is training getting really dull and, and boring at this stage is monotonous because it's been month after month after month ordinarily you would be it's late november as we're recording this you would have a couple of world cups under your belt in the new season but now you're just training and training and training and unsure yeah. when your first meet is going to be how are you handling that that was pretty tough until i found out we might have european championship <laughs> then we really uh, also, we have some uh, inside races here, such okay. as at Nationals. We'll have a Nationals uh, I- at the end of December, so mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting. Yeah. I hope we'll, we'll, we'll be able to race, so we, we yeah. have something to look forward to. So it, keeps, it, keeps, yeah. it keeps you like on track. <laughs> if, if there are any advantages, Sophia, of the pandemic and the restrictions, is, is it maybe they have an opportunity to get to know your teammates in a little bit deeper way, spend more time with your families. I mean, you're normally traveling quite a bit from, yeah. you know, from the U.S. and Canada to the Far East yeah. and China and Japan and over in Europe. You're, you're a little more home-based now. 
Yeah, there was uh, some benefits from pandemic I took. Uh, like in spring, me and my boyfriend predicted that there's going to be lockdown and we had a kind of longest off season than usual. Uh, and we wanted to stay somewhere together and in a warm conditions where we can bike and build the basic aerobic shape. So we went to Portugal and stayed there for hmm. a couple of months, which wouldn't, which would be impossible if like there is, there would be no pandemic sure. because we, we normally have like two weeks of season or even less. <laughs> and uh, this gave us opportunity to be together for like a few months and yeah. do some biking, stay in a warm country, which was really nice. So that was a, quite a benefit. And now I don't know if there is like I miss I miss uh, racing a lot. I miss being at the World Cup, and I miss this so much. So that that's why I was really happy mm -hmm. hearing like we might have Europeans. Uh, and now it's just routine, like quite enjoy it. Visiting with Sofia Prosvirnova, eleven time zones away in Moscow, Russia. We we thank her for her time. And before we get into your just uh, amazing story about becoming an Olympic athlete at the age of 16 after he'd only picked up the sport a couple of years earlier. Uh, one of the areas, so I work with Dan Weinstein a lot on NBC's coverage of short track here in the United States on television. And we don't know much about your family, you know, your parents and your siblings and the, oh, yeah. the, the impact that they had on your life. So uh, can you fill us in on, on your parents and what, what childhood was like for Sofia Prosvirnova? Oh, of course, I would, <laughs> I would love to. Uh, so when I was uh, five or six, uh, my parents gave me away for figure skating. And I've been there quite a while, but I wasn't really good. <laughs> I wasn't really good enough to be competitive because uh, figure skating is uh, quite big in Russia and especially in St. Petersburg. There are many strong athletes and um, with my family I have uh, two siblings I have a uh, my little brother he's uh six he's 15 now so mm -hmm. we have a big age difference and yeah not a long time ago I got my sister younger sister she's two now so a little baby oh my gosh uh, I think I think like my mom is like superhero. You know? <laughs> we we all have like such a big difference that that's quite cool. And uh, this uh, younger sister, she's like she's like my training baby. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Um, so I've been doing uh, figure skate, figure skating. Yeah. Then I realized that I wasn't good enough and I switched to the synchronized uh, figure skating. Uh, actually, not a lot of people know that, but my uh, first ICU event wasn't actually short track, but was a synchronized figure skating. And we went to World Junior Championship in Sweden with my team when I was uh, like 13 or 14. So that was yeah. in between leaving figure skating as a single skater yeah, to synchronize yeah. to short track. So what, what was that experience like um, on, on an international stage in a different sport before you moved to short track? Uh, there was just one, actually it was just one international competition. And oh, that's, that's actually a funny story. When we went there, um, I was quite good because I did figure skating before and a lot of mm -hmm. girls didn't. And uh, there was a, it, there was quite a big competition. Like, like there was the biggest competition in the season. And 
uh, going to the going on ice, going to skate short program. You know, there is a like small uh, plastic board you gotta overstep in order to get on the ice. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was doing it, I stepped with my blade on it, and I kind of lost the edge of the blade, and my blade was completely screwed up. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't skate the program. Like every time, like you know, there's like a lot of bunch of girls skating synchronized. And every time I was like trying to do something, I would just fall. And if anybody <laughs> from the team falls, uh, the whole team don't get any points. So I kind of screwed up, uh, <laughs> screwed the whole competition. <laughs> um, and we got the last place. But yeah. and, and then you found was, out afterwards that your career was over, right? Yeah, my career was <laughs> over and I had to switch to short ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, 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 mentioned, you mentioned figure skating from around the time you were five until 12 or 13. And you mentioned the, comp the incredible competition, the great history that, that the Soviet Union and now Russia has in that sport. How, how good were you? Did, did, did you ever compete against the... Uh, Sutnikovas and Lipniskayas and the uh, Alina Zagitovas and and, uh, oh, and, no. and the others, or or were you down a couple of rungs on the competition ladder? Well, I I don't know. I was quite good in the trainings, but every time I went to the competition, I tried to skate the program. I was like, so nervous that I would just fall <laughs> from my jump. So like. I just I would I would be like freaking out before my programs and I don't know why like now going to the races I don't feel that way but going into like figure skating programs like I would have that uh, stage fear <laughs> kind of uh, which was different in the synchronized skating because like skating with a bunch of girls like takes it away a little and we're quite good and I I really enjoyed it much more than the figure skating. But so, then eventually switched to short ride. <laughs> so so b besides being a little bit nervous before you went on the ice, what, what was the best part of your figure skating? Was it, was it a certain jump? Was it an axle? Was it a loop? Was it, what was the best part? And I guess what was the worst part of your, <laughs> of your figure skating career? I, I wouldn't even remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I was mm, quite good at spins. And my self help was pretty pretty okay. alright. <laughs> yeah. So so that that takes us up to about the age of uh, twelve or thirteen, and we're yeah. busy with uh, Sofia Prosvirnova from Russia, who's a two-time Olympian short track speed skater. And the first Olympics you were in, you were sixteen years old. It was in your yeah, home right. country. It was in Sochi, but you had really only begun to speed skate on short track a couple of years prior. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, I started it, like 13, 14, maybe. So how does that happen? How does somebody who just picks up a brand new sport, now granted you had been on the ice and you're familiar with skates and speed and certain things, but this is an entirely different sport, an entirely different discipline, where it's just all out speed and a lot of strategy to figure out the right time to pass. How did you pick it up so fast? And within two years, you're not only excelling in your country, you're at the Olympic Games. I don't actually know. It, it came like naturally. I guess it's just, I was naturally better at speed skating than figure skating. And I already had a good um, like gliding on the skates uh, because of the figure skating. 
and I was quite good at passing to being like man maneuvers, mm -hmm. like with the passings. I was I wasn't bad, and it was just I I didn't think a lot. Like there was no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I just went on the ice and enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it much more than figure skating. It was really fun and like. I don't know, and I became quite good. Well, so, Sophia, were, were you even a passing fan of the sport before you started doing it? I mean, did you follow the, the Russian team, or was it basically a brand new sport to you? I had no idea that sport exists. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I, I had no idea. I had no idea about rules or anything. I knew there was speed skate. I didn't even know there was long track and short track, like, Nothing. <laughs> so, so who taught you? How, how did you learn so fast? There had to have been either other skaters or I'm assuming a couple of coaches who really saw extreme raw talent in you that were able to mold it within a year and a half to two years to turn you into somebody who didn't know the sport to somebody representing their country at the Olympics. It's an amazing story. Yeah, like uh, the coach, my first coach noticed me at, uh, at one training or some or competition and she really wanted me in the team and she would follow me everywhere. She would like call my parents and ask like if, if I want to switch the short track, if I want to try that out. But I would I was really focused on figure skating. Like mm -hmm. I would never want to switch the short track. And I tried one, one training with the short track and like uh, honestly first impression i hated it like i was like what the hell is that like i want to go back on my figure skates this is so uncomfortable to be in that position and um, yeah i hated it and that's why i didn't want to switch but they, they, i'm really grateful for my first coach she was like insisting a lot and mm -hmm. they she would convince my mom to sign me up for the training camp and my mom secretly signed me up for the training camp mm. because I would never agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's how I started. That I went to the training camp with the first training camp with my home hometown coach, and then I made friends and I got attached and like mm. and then then I went to the second training camp and I was quite good in the skates. I would I would win and they would give me the courage to continue to keep keep going with that. So what do you remember about the very first international race in short track where you competed? I don't remember the first international, but I, I remember first World Cup. That was amazing. Uh, it gave me, like, I'll never forget my first World Cup. It was in 2013 in Shanghai. And it was really no pressure. Like, nobody would expect anything from me. And I just went on the ice and skated and I enjoyed it. And the first 500 meters, I went straight to the final A. <laughs> it was oh, so amazing. <laughs> and I was raced against like Marianne Sanjale and Wang Meng. Like, uh, they're like such big athletes. I, would, I, would, I would, wouldn't know who are they because I, would never, I never followed short track before. Yeah, and, and, but and, I knew they, they were like, Olympic champions. <laughs> and I would, all, I would assume they would have said the same thing, like, who the hell is this? Because yeah, they, was, they would have had no yeah. way of knowing who you were, where you came from, what your history was, and all of a sudden, a, a, an unknown, no-name 
is in an A final with him in a World Cup. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it got the last in the final A, but this still like the race. I want I will remember. It's amazing. So Sofia Presvirnova joining us from from Moscow. She is hoping that there is a World Cup and short track season coming up in a couple of months as we all continue to deal with the pandemic. So, so continuing the story about your, your rapid progress. So prior to the Olympic Games being hosted in Sochi, in your home country, when, when did that become a goal of yours? Or, or even did it? Because you still were so new to the sport. Was, was making the national team and making the Olympic team at the age of 16 was that a goal or did it just kind of happen because you were so good at a sport that you were still learning? Uh, honestly, I'll be honest with that, but that was never a goal. And I, I like going in 2013, 14 season, I actually didn't even know there was Olympics coming. <laughs> and I wouldn't like expect anything. But <laughs> then I accidentally got an Olympic team and that was amazing and there was uh, such an experience. But my actual Olympics, because she would think like that I'm too young and I need uh, to train like basics first to get on the like higher level in the training to in order to race well. But I would never like trade the home Olympics with any training base or anything uh there was there was um there was an experience i'll never forget yeah, yeah. well i need to back you up a little bit nobody accidentally makes an olympic team <laughs> you said you <laughs> yeah, accidentally right. made the olympic team uh, what, what, tell, me, tell me what the process was like and then uh when, when you qualified through your through through the russian nationals when did it hit you that you had just done something that almost nobody else could have done uh, maybe when I was already in, in the Olympics, like in Sochi, mm -hmm. and I just saw like uh, the level of competition, what is it, and that Olympics, Olympic Games were huge, especially Sochi Olympics, like mm -hmm. they were really huge, and especially in the home country, that, that just like my, my life turned from upside down from that point. Um, and then I felt a little pressure because uh, of the media. And mm -hmm. then I started realizing that it's a really big thing. And I started overthinking, like, I knew that's a big deal. And there was like, people expect something from me to, to race well. And so many people watching that, that would give me a little pressure. Yeah, but I still don't think, I think for for like 16 years old, I raced quite well. Of course, nobody expected a medal from me, but that was a good experience. Well, you mentioned you know the the pressure of racing in the Olympics in your home country, and the Russian delegation in 2014 for Sochi was 232 athletes. And yeah, it was quite I, big. <laughs> it was quite big, and I'm also assuming that. If you weren't the youngest Russian athlete, you had to have been one of the youngest because the, the youngest athlete to compete in the Olympic Games in Sochi was 15, Giannina Ernst from Germany, who was a ski jumper, and she was 15 years old. You were 16. So 
were you oh, the yeah. were you the youngest athlete? Did you ever come across Giannina and and the other mid teenagers who were at the Olympics for the first time? I was second. I know for sure that I was second youngest in the Russian team. The first one was actually figure skater Lipnitska, and I was the second. Yeah, I think I was among one of the youngest there. So, what what was that experience like then? Because you have people who you know, who have been in three, four, five Olympic games. If you're Claudia Pestin of Germany, you're in your sixth or seventh at that stage of your yeah, career. But, you know, you are 16, wide-eyed, um, stunning, stunning so many people to get where you are. And then here you are on the same stage with the greatest winter athletes on the planet. And you're walking, walking into Olympic Stadium with them and competing against them. Well, at this at this point, at this age, like I don't think I was realizing what's going on and who are those people, like who are all those uh, big stars, and like I wasn't thinking a lot. I was I didn't know who are they, but uh, like now, like I understand that there was uh, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, Olympic stars, like, and just grateful that I had an opportunity to be there. Mm-hmm. So uh, how much, uh, maybe easier is, is not the right term, but how much more comfortable, confident uh, were you in Pyeongchang when you made your second Olympic team representing uh, the Olympic athletes of Russia? We'll get into that a little bit later. But when, when you were in Pyeongchang uh, for the second time, was it, how much easier was it for you to, to handle and focus on competing and trying to win a medal? Well, in Pyeongchang, it was also uh, special Olympic Games. There wasn't just normal Olympic Games. And mm-hmm. uh, what was quite opposite. Uh, it wasn't a home Olympic Games. And also, it was uh, Olympic Games without a flag. <laughs> My boyfriend actually makes a joke about it. Like, I went to complete two opposite Olympic Games. And he <laughs> said, like, probably your only dream just go to the normal Olympic Games. <laughs> like, not home or not without flag. Like, just- normal olympic games like with, with flag and everything mm. <laughs> so i wouldn't say it was easier it was just very different very different uh, sensations that um i was i was uh, expecting more from myself so i might say it was even a little mm. harder than in sochi um yeah and well that was uh, was really hard, um, maybe mentally. It was, um, you know, that we went there without flag, and it mm-hmm. it it felt a little uh, maybe unfair, a little, and a little weird, odd uh, to be there uh, like this. But I I don't want to make it an ex- like an excuse for me sure. like that that's why I didn't like bring home medals I just wasn't mentally prepared for that uh, I'm I was still young I was like twenty twenty one twenty two years old mm-hmm. like I'm still not quite experienced and it just uh, was mentally really hard to focus um, but uh, physically I was much better than in Sochi. Mm-hmm. And I think with uh, with that experience going into Beijing, like it gave me so much experience to be in like two opposite Olympic games, and right. uh, I think that that prepared me to 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 
I hopefully perform better in staging. Right. Visiting with Sofia Prosvirnova of Russia, short track speed skater, two-time Olympian here on Hangwood Champions. And I just want to kind of bridge, bridge those points because, you know, you're 16 years old in Sochi. As you mentioned, you really were just kind of awestruck by the entire experience. Didn't really realize who the greatest athletes in the world were that you were walking in the same stadium with. And then four years later, now you're completely aware, not only of the stars in the sport, what the Olympics really represent, but also what, what the country was accused of doing, right? So all of a sudden, you see mm -hmm. medals being stripped and yeah, yeah. You know, sanctions being imposed by the IOC. And mm -hmm. now suddenly, you're going to your sec second Olympic Games. You're not allowed to wear you know, white, blue, mm -hmm. and red on, on your uniform. You can't mm -hmm. have really any, any, any displays, correct, of anything mm -hmm. Russian mm -hmm. colors related. And mm -hmm. yet you're still representing them, but on the world stage, you're not allowed to represent the country of your homeland. So yeah. just from, from, from that perspective, how much, how much did you learn? You mentioned that, that it, it may have been a, a, a bit unfair, especially for, for the young athletes like you who were not accused of doing mm -hmm. anything at all. Mm -hmm. What was that? Mm -hmm. How hard has that been to rationalize and how 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 determined are you to wear your wear your country's colors in Beijing and and mm -hmm. return things to normal and represent Russia on that stage? Oh, I really hope that that's gonna happen and like we'll be representing Russia in the Beijing. Uh, it actually it honestly felt really weird and uh, it was hard to be there without flag and. Um, I learned from it that I wish I just turned off my phone and didn't care about what people think. But uh, in Russia, people really divided into two opposite sides that would support athletes who went, but mm -hmm. uh, some of them wouldn't support. They would think that we betrayed the country. Mm -hmm. And I'm the person like who would overthink a lot. I wish I wasn't, and it was <laughs> like <laughs> it's a really bad quality to for the athlete. I think I wish I would just focus on my races and nothing else. But that it took me off the track a little, mm. like uh, the the people's opinions and media and everything. Like I wish I was just uh, off that and just focus on what I was doing. But yeah, there was just there was a big hurdle for me yeah. in the in the Pyeongchang. Yeah, I, so but, I was actually part part of the media after the figure skating uh, uh, ladies single skate was over, and Alina Zagitova, who was 18 years mm -hmm. old, your your countrywoman from Russia, won it with an upset over uh, Medvedeva. And I, I actually asked her in the kind of media room after she won the gold medal. Mm -hmm. what it was like for her to have just accomplished something completely amazing, 18 years mm -hmm. old, winning the Olympic gold medal, not knowing if you're ever going to have the opportunity to do that again and not have the national anthem of Russia play. And it's, we certainly understood the reasons why, but it was, it was a really emotional answer that sh she couldn't really offer any answer i think they they may have been instructed or perhaps she may have been instructed not to really create more mm -hmm. controversy behind it but you could tell how much it hurt her that yeah, that yeah. you could not hear the russian anthem at that moment yeah 
we actually wasn't allowed like talk to anything like mm -hmm. controversy in the social media or yeah. like to the to the interviewers so yeah i understand but it i i can imagine in fact it felt weird and off um yeah and also i was uh, i was at the final uh, the hockey final when uh olympic athlete from russia mm -hmm. won the olympic final and after that game after the game, the whole stadium stood up and started singing uh, Russian anthem, and it it felt like a goosebump yeah. because, like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain that. It's really hard to describe. Mm. What a, what a great moment! Um, visiting here with Sofia Prosvirnova of Russia, and uh, wanted to bring up a couple of other things. So. Um, you you had spent some time here in the United States training with the American short track uh, speed skating team. I believe it was a year ago summer, so a little over a year ago. And and you're very close with Mame Baini and Will Boomstra and Aaron Tran and a number of the American short trackers. Uh, how did that all come around? Because you were the well, only member of, of the Russian team over here training with them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, back to 2019 summer, uh, first training camp, and we had the meeting with the Federation, the Russian Skating Union, and they announced that we have some changes in the team and the head coach is no longer taking place and they would uh, hire new, some new coaches. And I was really a little upset with that decision because uh, going into the, in the national team, like every two or three seasons we would have that like coach mm -hmm. changes and for me like it's really hard to 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 make a connection between coach like and athlete and i felt like it's just the previous season i felt like there was a good season and i i felt like uh I just, oh i just like found that good connection with my coach and we got the individual medal at the world championship mm -hmm. And I felt like we would continue to do that and like the results will grow. But, and this, uh, this new decision like was really upsetting for me. Um, and this new coaches actually was um, some re uh, the, my, my teammate who just retired. So they were just, was my teammate the season before and now they're my coaches. And going into the training camp, I was like, questioning every training we make and hmm. it was really upsetting and it was really hard for me to adapt and for the new system because it's like quite opposite like it's a new opposite different approach to the training okay. and it was just really hard to adapt to that and I was training training at some point like I got injured because I really believe like if you don't believe in what you do, like at some point it will stop you. And I got injured and I went home. And this year I had my bachelor degree and mm -hmm. I had to miss the next training camp. I was like a little in the school and actually wasn't really motivated to training. And I felt like if I don't do something, if I don't try something else, I would just might quit because I really felt upset and I, I felt uh, I didn't want to train like I didn't want to do anything and I have decided to try something new and I've started to looking for a team to train with mm. just to try out because like I felt like if I don't do anything I would just might 
just finish sport and mm-hmm. like study or something. <laughs> and um, my initial choice was a Canadian team mm-hmm. because I knew the coach uh, who was uh, at the moment training, uh, coaching the women's national Canadian team. He was actually the one who prepared us for the Sochi Olympics. He was a Russian national team and then he became the Canadian team. Um, and I contacted him and it was, we, I think he was really happy with, uh, with my message. And uh, we started like settling everything, organizing like uh, mm-hmm. where I will live and stuff. And it was all sad. And I remember like I had my tickets to Canada. I was just waiting for, the, for them to send me a contract to be a training partner of the Canadian team. Uh, and I was all set to go. I was like really motivated and happy. I declined all the training camps in Russia. I called to the president <laughs> of Russian skating, you know, I was like, yeah, well, I will try out in Canada. <laughs> How did that go over? And, uh, well, uh, they was like, uh, all right, well, we'll, su- we'll support you. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, you can, you can try out. Like there wasn't any like arguments with me. And I also mm-hmm. came up to the coaches and there was all good. I said, there was real, they were really understanding and I'm really grateful. They were, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to try something new. I want to try out training with a like, team like abroad. And they were like, yeah, okay. If, if that's your decision, you should go. And uh, one, one morning I get a message from him that something happened. I think something happened in the Federation. There was also like mm-hmm. some coach changing or something. And they said that, they can't send me the contract or and they don't have a time frame when they will be able to so and i couldn't wait because i wanted to go on the ice it was like already close to june mm-hmm. and i wanted to start training for the season and you couldn't and exactly couldn't, go back to your russian team right after you called I, them I, there, there, there was no way back <laughs> and the, 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 at that moment i was i started to freak me out like what do i do I already, <laughs> I already declined all training camps in Russia and I also can go to Canada now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was really freaking out and uh, I was starting to like look out for a new team. I remember sure. I, I wrote a like letter to Hungarians and like Italians mm-hmm. and one morning I woke up and I, I thought like, I don't know, something hit me. Like I want to write to the American coach Will Boomstra but I didn't feel like I need to write an official letter or anything. I just texted her an Instagram direct message. <laughs> she is very I, active I, on social media. Yeah, I, pr- I promise I didn't know her before. I never talked to her before, but I just felt like I don't need that with her. Like it was just so casual. And mm-hmm. I explained my whole situation and I asked if I can come join the American team. And she was like, she was so good. Uh, it was no problems like at all. She was like, yeah, girl, of course, like c- come here, like join the team, no contracts, nothing needed, like no payment, just come here. And they were really happy to be, to have me as a training partner. So which was like life saving for me at the moment because I really didn't know what to do. And I already had my tickets to like to Canada. I actually used those tickets because they were through New York. So Perfect. I, I got to Salt Lake through, through the New York and used the tickets <laughs> I had to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just packed my bags and went there, which was like crazy. Um, and, and looking at and some, then, of the, some of the pictures on social media, and I've talked with, with Will about this a couple of times, 
they, they immediately like adopted you as one of their own. It, it's almost you were a member of Team USA from a different country as a competitor, but that, that relationship really bloomed so quickly. That is true. And there was really, it was really great. One was surprisingly how, how friendly they were to me. And I felt really like, um, I felt really um, accepted. Yeah. And Mm. I made so many friends and Mm -hmm. so like I I met Apollo and so many Mm -hmm. inspirational people that I really never regretted going there. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like the hardest summer I've ever had. (laughs) Training was really hard for me. (laughs) Did it make you a better skater? Yeah, I felt go- like going in the season, I was in really good shape and in the trainings, I was pretty good. And Will supported me so much. I'm really grateful that I met her. I really enjoyed training with the US, US team. But like going into the season, I was, uh, I was a little weird. Um, maybe not in the right headspace because like when Russian team arrived, I didn't feel like part of the American mm. team and I also didn't feel like mm. part of the my team anymore. And that was really distracting me and racing, I was really like overthinking because I would have like uh, Vlad on the coach stand as my coach, but he hadn't really coached me before. And I would like, at the, at the point at some World Cup, I remember like standing on the start and uh, thinking, like crazy stuff like they probably don't want me to succeed because mm. I left it like and I couldn't really focus on my skating and I would overthink mm-hmm. like everything and they it didn't let me perform well yeah and did, yeah did, did, did you sense that I mean do you think there was some some jealousy or um, some feelings of some teammates or some coaching staff members who said that you know maybe they're thinking that she she doesn't feel 100% part of the team because she wasn't training with us. I mean, that's, that's only natural, but I mean, were you able to, do you, do you think that was the case? Well, I don't know. It might be, but I didn't, I didn't have any conflicts with them. Like I didn't okay. have any arguments or fights. It was just, it just felt weird. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually you go into the World Cup and you feel supported by a team and by coaches and you have like, at this point, I didn't know like, who's my coach sure. like you're, uh, you're in between do, almost yeah if i do something wrong like who do i go to and yeah, yeah. like it really distracted me and mm-hmm. i couldn't really focus and i remember one day after world cup four like there was a horrible world cups like it's like the worst world cups i've ever had in my life and at world cup four i went to the wheels room and she she said something like uh girl you probably don't want to hear that but i think you should go back to the team like put mm. your ego aside and because like you're not in the heads, right headspace and I knew she was right and but I also didn't like to hear that <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and yeah I've decided to go back to the team and mm-hmm. actually it worked out really good for me okay. uh, I felt comfortable in a while it took a while to be like back with the team and good fit in but uh, like going to the last part of the season, to the last World Cups, I felt good in my headspace and that 
showed on the results. I got some work, World Cup medals from the last two World Cups. And I felt pretty good going into World yeah. Championship, but it got canceled. Right. Yeah, and now like I'm training with them and I feel really good. I think we work out pretty well. So it's, it's, it's all good. But yeah. I never regretted my decision going into like, training with the U.S. It was a cool experience. And you have also, lifelong yeah. friends as a result. Yeah, well. li- lifelong friends. And I met my boyfriend there, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> you met your boyfriend there. <laughs> yeah, I met my boyfriend there. <laughs> I'm waiting for a story. <laughs> well, yeah. He, he, he's a, he's a long track speed skater. His name is Victor. Mm-hmm. And he represents Denmark. Mm-hmm. So he was training at the Utah Oval too. Mm-hmm. So we went there. And how did that begin? <laughs> on the same ice, your eyes connected. Uh, you 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 fell on purpose in front of him, or what? <laughs> well, yeah, we we had the eyes at the same time, but he just hit it on the long track, and I skated on the sure. short, short track, and he just asked me for to go out, and <laughs> that's how it began. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been love ever since. Wonderful. Yeah. So a couple more questions about your involvement with Team USA. I mean, there there were certainly some cultural uh, differences from Russia to the U.S. and and from the U.S. to Russia, and and so can you talk a little bit about the, the the cultural adjustments that you had to make and they had to make for you and kind of the the the, the misperceptions about cultures between the united states and russia and also the the training differences between the u.s team and the russian team i know there are a lot of questions there but um they're all kind of connected yeah well going going in the u.s i would expect like i don't know like I wouldn't expect anything that really happened to me. Like I felt like so comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't really think like I would feel very comfortable in the U.S. But uh, there is, of course, like a cultural difference, and I had to adapt for the like new language and mm-hmm. like everything is different, basically. And trainings also are different. Like what I what I saw in the movies when I was younger, like Americans <laughs> playing. Like like running crazy on stairs like in this university <laughs> stairs like this is the American thing and and it really did that and it was like the worst training of my life <laughs> like running these stairs is horrible but I really enjoyed it and <laughs> so you were hoping that yeah. was just Hollywood but it turned out to be real life when you got here yeah yes mm. <laughs> so, that was fun it was really fun yeah. and it was it was fun to discover a new culture and like mm-hmm. how like how they how they train how we yeah. train like yeah. just what, to what, see the difference what sophia what what did you like most about i, I know you you didn't get a chance to really travel around the united states when you were here but what what mm-hmm. did you enjoy the most what was maybe the most surprising thing to you just about americans and you know the the mm-hmm. city and the state where you were living uh the thing i discovered camping and camping is amazing <laughs> like i was uh you know was living in utah i don't know i've never been anywhere else but salt sure. lake utah but nature is amazing there yeah. like going camping was incredible like for me who grew up in the big cities such as moscow and st petersburg right. i would never like be able to experience that but like discovering camping is great and i, I want to do it in the future when i mm-hmm. when i i don't know 
when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so that, 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 that bridges me to, to my next question. What is, what is the, the next longer chapter in your life? You know, we had Mame Baini on the show a month, month and a half mm-hmm. ago, and she is similar age to you, where she could potentially go to four Olympic games, maybe five if she really wanted to. Yeah. And when I asked her how many Olympic games that she might be interested in, in racing in, if her health holds, you know, she said, you know, may, one, maybe two more because she yeah. wants to be a wife. She wants to be a mom. She has a lot of other things that she really wants to do. She doesn't necessarily want to devote another 10 or 12 years of hard training and 24-7 focus mm-hmm. on the sport. So w- where are you? Have you made any kind of decisions on how much – you're only 22, so you, you can certainly go to a couple more games and then still have plenty of time after, but – Beyond the Olympics, what would you like to do? Do you want to stay in sport as a coach? Do you want to do something completely different? Well, I'm my only 22, but I feel like I've been here like forever. <laughs> like I, I competed on the in the World Cup since 2013, mm-hmm. and I consider that 2022 might be my last Olympics. Mm-hmm. It, Maybe not. I don't know. I actually like think about it a lot, and um, I might. I just want. I have this dream to try go studying, like finish my master's degree in coaching. Mm-hmm. Might do it ab- abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that in mind going to the Olympic Games, but it depends a lot, like how I feel. Uh, yeah, I might I might want to try something else. I consider like this twenty twenty two Olympics will mm-hmm. be my last, mm-hmm. but it might not. I don't know. So, so what are your like off the ice interests? I mean, is it is it science? Is it is it history? What, what, in in terms of like the academic world, what what do you really enjoy? Well, I do enjoy training, like in training science, like mm-hmm. coaching science. So I, I may like continue with that <clears throat> and become a really good coach. <laughs> or I don't know. Yeah. I might, I might, I don't know actually. Well, yeah, what do your What do your parents do? Well, my mom, my mom was a hairdresser, mm-hmm. and she. Yeah, her. Well, you already mentioned that she's a big superhero, so we know that. Yeah, she's mom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think she's a, she's a full time mom now. So, I I might also be full time mom. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great option as well. Yeah. Um. So a, a couple more things before we get to our last set of questions. Um. Because I've seen you race so much over the last couple of years, your helmet design always sticks out. So if it's a if it's a mass race or I'm not sure where you are on the ice, I can always look for that fox helmet and I know that's where Sophia is. Um, <laughs> is that something that you designed or I, I know Itzak Delat is, is, a, is a helmet designer. I don't know if he had any impact mm-hmm. or input on yours, but mm-hmm. how did that fox design on your helmet come around and did you create the art or did somebody else do that for you? No, I did not create the art. We have this... Uh really good uh, artist in Russia in the city of Ufa and mm-hmm. he also created designs for Simeon Illustrative. It's really mm-hmm. pretty what he creates but I didn't come up with design but I came up with idea. Uh, it's just 
it's, it's just the foxes are pretty and I thought that might look cool <laughs> and also uh, foxes are like representing the you know they're sly and mm-hmm. you like you have to be sly in, uh, in the in the short track <laughs> to like come up first yeah. <laughs> so that might might be the reason and now that you enjoy you know uh, camping out you you are more likely yeah, here in the United States camping. to come across one that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, first off, I, I appreciate your time so much today. And we have a couple more quick segments to do. One of them I tipped you off to over the last couple of weeks. It's basically kind of a game of pass it on as far as yeah. the future guests onto the show. So, for example, we had uh, Ebony Blondine on the show a mm-hmm. couple of months ago. We started talking about the, the funniest Olympians. And she said, you know what? Mm-hmm. Mika Putala from Finland, mm-hmm. who was a four time mm-hmm. Olympian who coincidentally was training with the Canadian team for several years. Mm-hmm. That's how they all got mm-hmm. to know each other. She said he'd be perfect. So we had him on the show and he now has, um, he has recommended uh, Gilmore Junior, the long tracker mm-hmm. from Canada. So Gilmore is coming on in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. now an opportunity for you um, because we connected on social media nobody recommended you, but now <laughs> you're on the hot, <laughs> you're on the hot seat. So I think I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So who would you recommend being on the show? They, they don't have to be from Russia. They don't have to be from your sport. They can be, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Whose, whose story would you be interested in hearing since you are one of our biggest fans of the show? Well, uh, I consider the Alice Christie from Great Britain. Mm. She's a like triple Olympian and mm-hmm. world champion. I think she, she would have an interesting story to tell. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd really love to hear her story. Okay. Have you had much interaction with her? Yeah, we always like talk on mm-hmm. the World Cup. Yeah, she, she is, is, is an amazing inspiration and she has endured so much over her time. So yeah, uh, all right. she's so experienced. If, if, if you can help arrange this, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be thrilled yeah, to have first. her on. <laughs> sure. All right. So, the, so the, the last sets of questions are top threes. And you've listened to the show oh. a couple of times. You heard Mame's. <laughs> you heard uh, <laughs> Apollo's. And all right. Are you ready for this, Sophia? I hope they're not too difficult. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Top three for Sophia Prosperinova. Your top three favorite bands, musical bands. Oof. Musical bands. Um, damn, that's hard one. Um, the neighborhood. Um, our last night, and the mm-hmm. third one. Hard. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, the pressure. I, can't. I don't know. I can I'm see sorry. the pressure on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll come, we'll come back to that one. All right. The, yeah. your, next, your next top three. The top three worst sports. Ooh. We know you're a figure skater. We know you're a synchronized yeah. figure skater briefly. We know you're an yeah. outstanding two-time Olympian short tracker. What are the worst sports that you could possibly play? It might be chess. <laughs> I don't know if you know how to play that. <laughs> that counts. Game sport will count. Judges. Well, it's sports. <laughs> uh, and also curling, uh, hmm. maybe. Uh, and, um, and, 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 and maybe oh, biathlon. Bi- biathlon. 
Biathlon. It's where you biathlon. Yeah, biathlon, where, yeah. yeah that, that one must be horrible. <laughs> so, just as a follow up, have you have you tried the biathlon before? Have you tried no, skiing no, and shooting? No. Right. And have you tried no, curling? Uh, no. You haven't tried that. But you just think you just think you. I, I don't want to try that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'd suck at it. All right, all right. Next question. Top three for Sofia Prosvirnova. Your top three favorite streaming shows: Netflix, Hulu, Amazon. However, you okay. get your, your programs. Streaming shows. Uh, the last one I was I watched pretty good. The Queens of Cambed. It's, a lot of people it's actually, are watching that. It's actually about chess. <laughs> it is about chess. And you still think you'd be awful at it. That, that, that's that's when that's when I figured out I'll be awful at it. <laughs> and um, my forever comfort show is the Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. And the last one I watched I like the Bojack Horseman on Netflix. Okay, great, great. I've not watched any of those. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give them a look. All right, uh, next top three for Sofia Prosvirnova, your least favorite things about training. What are the three things about your training that you hate? We know that stairs, running stairs, would certainly be in that Oh, list. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, running stairs is really hard, but the worst, the worst, the worst is the indoor volume biking. Like the the biking on the on the on the home trainer for like hours. Why is that stirring so Stirring in the wall is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like I I say this because now it's the time where we do a lot of it, and I know tomorrow I have to do it, and I just <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no way to get out of it. No, no yeah. way to get out of it. Coach, my my ankles hurting a little. My knees a little sore today. Yeah. <laughs> are are there others? You have, you have two others. Worst parts about training? Oh, maybe tempos. Tempos. Pretty yeah. horrible, too. <laughs> You're not really selling many people listening on trying out your sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. La last, last top three for Sofia Prosvirinova. Your top three favorite actors. Favorite actors. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, Robert Downey Jr. Oh. Okay. And um, Angelina Jolie. That's a good choice. And um, and um, mm -hmm. damn, I can't always figure out the third. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard to choose. Let's <laughs> just stop on two. <laughs> so, and, and, okay, so as, as a follow-up, who is the most famous non-athlete person who you've ever met? Have you met a? Have you met a? Have you met President Putin? Have you met? Uh, yeah, Putin. Yeah. Okay. Putin. Well, tell tell me. Putin. Tell me about that. What was that experience like? Well, several times, two or three times, I met him. The first one in Sochi. But the, that yeah. one we even talked, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> it actually, the, the Ministry of Sport of our of Russian Federation, mm -hmm. uh, he saw me and he wanted for me to take picture with him. So he, he kind of pushed me through the crowd to stand <laughs> next to him. And there was me, 16 years old girl, standing next to Putin. And uh. he would look down at me and like, what sport are you doing? Go <laughs> Never forget this conversation. <laughs> he was a big fan. And he was like, good luck. I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and that was that was the extent of the conversation yes that was it <laughs> and then uh, before before the pyeongchang and mm -hmm. after the universidad in krasnodar as well so mad there was like meeting like just athletes president meeting nothing special and did he remember you did he have to ask you what sport you? oh of, of, co of course not he, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember oh. well sophia this has been so much fun i can't i can't thank you enough for your time and uh and and i so hope that there is a season for you and your teammates and your competitors and friends across the world but thanks so much i hope i hope the nerves are gone and i hope you yeah, had, had a good time fun. visiting with us that was, I had a good time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So a huge thanks to Russia's Sofia Prosvirnova for hanging out with us today. And a reminder, you can hang out with us too. Subscribe and you'll get notified when the next Hang With Champions episode drops. So wherever you find your podcast, whether it's on Google or Apple, iHeart, Pandora, Stitcher, Spotify, or TuneIn, you'll find us there. And also on our social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So for our delightful guest today, Russia's two-time Olympian short track speed skater, Sofia Prosvirnova, and our entire crew, I'm Patrick Hines. So thanks to all of you for hanging with us on Hanging with Champions.